This week on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll be featuring Daniel Arendelger, who hangs out at AppleInsider.com. A little bit later, you'll hear from John Martellero. He's from the Mac Observer. And we've got lots of places to go and things to do on this episode of the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> Daniel, welcome back. Let's get started right away with kind of a reintroduction for you. Now, we've had you on the show for several years. But we have a lot of new listeners in a lot of new cities. We're being heard in the New York area, the Boston area, state of Washington, etc., on regular radio stations. And I want to get to get back to the beginning, which is how you got started in being an investigative reporter, but focusing very much on the things that the media constantly get wrong about Apple. How did this begin? Well, I started writing I think a lot of it was I, I ran out of things to read on the internet. <laughs> and so I would just start researching what was happening and starting start writing about a subject that I found interesting. The natural progression of that was to write about how things were being portrayed. Because once you start doing research and looking for yourself at what's happening, you start to realize that a lot of a lot of what's written is written because somebody has an interest in having that said. So I mean a lot of news is based on press releases that companies hand out to, you know, journalists, quotation mark. <laughs> and so as a journalist and, and working into that role, it became even more and more obvious that so much of, so much of our news, and for me, it's specifically in technology, but um, companies send so much information to journalists, and then you look and see what other people are writing, and you realize, oh, they've just written a press release. So a lot of what I've kind of aspire to do is to write about how things really are and explain trends in technology and and also to kind of express I guess just what, what's really happening. And so that highlights conversely what um, what companies are wanting to be said. And that kind of gives you an in, insight into also what's happening because you're you're seeing what people are trying to make happen. So you have people trying to make things happen. With regard to Apple, what's the end game? To make Apple look bad? To knock down the stock price so they, shall we say, gain some kind of advantage financially? Yeah, there are examples of, of things like that happening. Um, I, to me, uh, largely it's when you look at products and you look at companies that are facing kind of difficult odds, the best thing they can do from kind of a cynical standpoint is to come out and kind of bluster and create the impression that things are not the way they are and that their chances are better than they actually are. <laughs> well, one of the worst offenders is Samsung. At one time, Samsung was almost a media darling. They're destined to control the mobile industry. And yes, they still have a huge amount of sales, but things aren't quite what they expected, are they? 
Yeah, that is true. Samsung was very good at uh, getting people to write about what they, you know, their their kind of take on things, and that's that's kind of the job of, of a public relations group. Uh, what's notable is that obviously Apple wants to control how things are expressed, and um, when when the story is incorrect, they want to tell the press to change it. But they're very careful about what they say, and Apple is very much a kind of activity-driven company, I guess you might say. They're really trying to do things. They're not just trying to create the impression that everyone should be safe buying the products that they make, because they are a very different company. It, it, it came from this sort of... Uh, Apple was you know, on the brink of death in the, in the mid-90s. And so to get out of that, I mean, a major Steve Jobs strategy was this kind of secrecy, which is not unique to Apple, but Apple has done it kind of more than most companies in the tech industry because they were sort of an underdog for so long. So the only way that they could get attention was to do all this work behind the scenes and then come out and kind of leapfrog the industry by doing something new. And they're not the only company that's ever done that. And other companies, that's a good strategy for a lot of companies. But for companies that have broad control. If you look at Microsoft and Samsung and companies that have had um, broad control of everything and they're already sitting on a monopoly or a monopoly of sorts, uh, their strategy is really to prevent anything from changing. And so the way that they do things is very different. And also with companies that have, um, if you look at Microsoft or Google's Android or, or other platforms where they have a lot of companies building their stuff for them. That also has a, a different motivation. You can't just come out with a surprise because you have to work with all these partners. And so those companies are in also the same situation with companies like Intel or anyone who's creating a product that other people are actually using in their devices. When you have a com- when you have a business like that, you have to show these roadmaps going into the future of what you're going to be doing. And so there's really no surprise. And Apple's a very different company in that regard. So uh, it's something that a lot of people who understand those other companies have failed to kind of understand how Apple works. And so it's a combination of things that in some cases, it's people's expectations have been set by what they've seen in the past. And they were completely blown away by Apple and were naturally skeptical of what Apple was doing and how long they could keep doing it. So it was interesting for me. I kind of grew up in the tech industry. My background was in supporting largely Windows, Cisco, you know, larger environments where Apple's presence at that point was pretty small and in the background. But I watched these things sort of unfold. And so it was really interesting to be able to write it from... (laughs) It's kind of funny. I had this, this reputation of being like this complete blind fanboy. But really, I mean, my perspective is a little bit actually unbiased compared to the compared to the background of a lot of people who have been writing about how the status quo of the nineties. And so coming in into the current age, you know, I, I was writing about Apple as a sort of a neutral observer, looking at what was happening and saying th- they're doing all the right things. They're doing pretty incredible things and what they're doing is noteworthy. And everybody else is like, Oh, they're, you know, they're going to fail And by everybody else. I mean, in general, kind of the, the tone of the media is that Apple is doing okay right now, but real soon now someone's going to take over all their stuff. So when they came with the iPod, it was immediately this idea that Microsoft was going to come out and basically do windows again by making all these other 
companies in China producing things that look like the iPod and happened again with the phone and happened again with your iPad. And it just keeps happening over and over again where people are expecting things to be the way they were instead of the way that, that things are actually going to be because of what's happening. All right. With that perspective here, which basically says a lot of the estimates made about Apple and what Apple is doing are just plain wrong. So every so often in the last couple of years, we've heard these suggestions that because Intel may be running late or maybe their new processors aren't such great improvements over the old one, and we're talking now about the new family called Broadwell, which was some months late and that restricted the kind of upgrades Apple could offer in Macs, that maybe Apple... Having their own chip design facility now would create A-series processors based on ARM technology. And we're going to pursue this more in the next segment. We can start now. But you've run some recent articles at Apple Insider pointing out why this doesn't make any sense. Now, before we get into the specifics, because we only have about 30 seconds left for the segment, yes or no, do you think Apple in the near term would ever want to produce Macs with ARM processors? It's a complicated issue. So, yes, there are good reasons for Apple to do that. However, there are also better things Apple could be doing with its resources, much better. Okay, and- we're going to find out more about that okay. in a moment. <laughs> Let me just tell you, listeners, if you go to plus.technightowl.com, P-L-U-S.technightowl.com, you can take advantage of our new premium subscription service, plus.technightowl.com. Daniel Aaron Dilger is here. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. First game attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. Hi, John Hubner from Midas Resources. Are you tired of watching your hard-earned assets dwindle away? As government spending is out of hand and the Federal Reserve is creating in excess of $20 billion a week, are you tired of stockbrokers gambling away your hard-earned money? Is this market a setup for a crash greater than 1987? Too many of today's policies resemble those that led to the collapse of 1929. This is John Hubner, and that was me in 2007. And we all know what happened when the subprime credit bubble burst. By March 2009, the dollar lost 50% of its value. The entire U.S. banking system was on the verge of collapsing. Like all financial problems of the past, is history about to repeat itself? Call me, John Hubner, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 129, before it's too late to protect yourself. Will the oncoming catastrophe take all private IRAs, 401ks with it? There is a way to protect your hard-earned assets. Call me, John Hubner, at one 800 686 Six two two three seven extension one two nine. 
This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right, General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right, that's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. On Facebook, on the news, and in conversations with friends, we're bombarded every day with advice on how to be healthier, from gluten-free and non-GMO diets to how much exercise and sleep the body needs. But how much have you heard about alkalizing the body? AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops are a holistic and natural way to get your body's pH levels back in balance. Just a few drops in water will help your body rid itself of harmful waste. And even the healthiest of diets can be complemented with your daily use of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Who isn't looking for more vibrance, vigor, and energy? Now buy two bottles of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops and get $10 off your order. Visit AlkaVision.com or call 800-518-7615. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops are packed with a powerful combination of the most alkaline minerals and compounds. Open the door to greater health, vitality, and zest for life. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health. Call 800-518-7615 or head to AlkaVision.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Now, with most suggestions about anything Apple should or could do, there are always gray areas, ifs, ands, or buts. So with the possibility that Apple going to ARM for at least some of the Macs using these A-series processors of their own design, you said there are some good reasons for doing so, and there are reasons why Apple probably shouldn't bother, at least right now. Let's look at both. So the, the reasons for Apple moving to ARM primarily is that is money. Intel charges a lot of money for its processors. Uh, basically, a processor is you come up with a really good idea uh, of how a chip should work, and then you uh, make lithographs of it. You can make a bunch of copies. And so once you do the difficult part of the design, the replication of it is almost like software where you're just making copies of it and you can charge whatever you want. And if there's a demand for it, you can charge quite a lot. And Intel makes a lot of money selling advanced processors because they have tremendous technology and they have incredible fab technology for printing them. And right now, if you look at how many Macs Apple sells a year, it's about it's a less than 20 million. If you look at Apple's iOS devices, they sell 10 times as many, uh, something in the range of 250 million per year. So if Apple is going to use its chip design to save money, there's a lot of opportunities 
well, there's a lot more opportunities on iOS to develop custom silicon that does interesting things. Apple's already doing custom silicon in the Mac to do a variety of things. And it makes sense for Apple, or if we keep going, if, it, if we stick on the, the pros of, of Apple going to ARM, Apple could take a lot of the, the technology that they've already done for the iPad, for example, and in creating pretty impressive mobile chips that are leading the, the mobile industry. It makes sense to say oh, they can bring that same technology to the Mac and now they own it. Now they're not dependent upon Intel. And like you're noting, they don't have to wait for Intel to, to get their stuff together. So it is an opportunity that a lot of people realize that if Apple did this, they would have a lot of freedom for their own Macs. However, there's a couple other reasons why they wouldn't want to do that. And one is that Intel has a lot of intellectual property and support that's already there. There would be a pretty big transition. And it would be a difficult to make transition because they would have to be relying on Intel for their high-end stuff. Because you, you can, it's pretty easy to imagine Apple making kind of a low-end, like a entry-level MacBook Air with ARM processors, but it would be much more difficult for Apple to just suddenly s switch from what it's using now to a whole family of processors. I mean, Intel's been working on their processors for decades, so it would be a, an enormous task to suddenly produce. I mean, how many different Intel processors does Apple have? Almost every Mac that they have runs a different family. And each family can have four or five different processors, depending on the model and everything else. So, yeah, this could be very complicated. But the other issue here, which is never addressed, is the fact that one of the things that really helped Apple when they went to Intel, aside from being able to take advantage of more commodity parts and support circuits and everything, is the fact that you're able to run Windows on a Mac with good performance. You have boot camp. You get native speeds. You have Parallels Desktop. You have VMware Fusion that lets you run most Windows apps, except for high-energy games, at pretty close to native speeds. So you have true multi-platform computers there. Yes. And that's an important it advantage. But when you go to ARM, that goes away, and then you have to find a trick to emulate Intel on ARM, and this is complicated because look at all the thousands of apps that have been optimized over the past eight years for Intel. Yes, that was a, a tremendous benefit for the Mac, particularly that's almost 10 years ago, 2005, when they announced they were going to move to Intel. It's, it's maybe a little bit less important broadly for everybody as it was 10 years ago to be able to run Windows. But for a lot of people, it is very important. So it, that's another complication to make it um, more difficult to, to make a sudden transition. And if you look at previous examples, Apple has done transitions many times in a lot of different areas. And almost every reason for those was, or at least included, the fact that their supplier was not able to keep up. So, you know, back in the 68K days, we're talking about like the you know early 90s, they moved to PowerPC because that was supposed to... Uh, provide a more reliable and faster set of uh, set of processors. That took years to do. It was done in public. Everybody knew it was happening, and that went on for about ten years. And then it got to the point where Apple was basically the only computer maker left making PowerPC chips, PowerPC computers, and so it was kind of the same thing again. They were waiting for IBM to make it. A G5 for the PowerBook, or if you remember that. 
So they jumped to Intel, and Intel already had a whole fleet of chips for Apple to use. They just came out with a new core series of processors that were a whole new leap in technology that were competitive again. So the chips are already there, and um, a lot of people don't remember this, but the first five series, first five years of iPods were using Portal Player processors. It was an ARM processor, but it was made by this Portal Player company, and Right before the iPhone came out, Apple switched because Portal Player was again not delivering. So they jumped to Samsung, which could present chips in the future. And also, in retrospect, we figured this out. They had the ability to make the chips for the iPhone, this this more advanced chip. So that's another example of. I mean, all three of those are basically the current provider wasn't keeping up. So if you look today and you say, oh, well, you know, Intel isn't keeping up, there isn't another supply of chips that are readily available for Apple to immediately use. What about AMD? I mean, Apple uses AMD's ATI graphics chips on many different Macs. So what about AMD? They make Intel-compatible processors. Nothing there in their product line that suits? Um, So I'm not an expert in AMD, but they're not considered to be an order of, you know, some tremendous jump ahead of Intel for, for starters. Having AMD around, potentially, that's one of the things I noted is leaving Intel, if Apple decided to take on this risk of creating their whole family of own chips for ARM, that would eliminate AMD as ever, you know, a possibility in the future. Because if you're moving away from x86 and going to a new chip architecture, then the, the potential for Apple to ever use AMD kind of goes away or they're moving away from it. But currently that is, you know, that that's plausibly a, a situation that Apple could do. And, and there were rumors a couple of years ago uh, that didn't really pan out, but they were looking at that as there was an understanding that Apple was having talks with AMD and coordinating things with them. And, um, Remember that AMD also owns ATI, or you know they bought ATI. The yeah, that's the thing I pointed out, the fact that Apple does business with AMD, courtesy of all those graphic chips, which are found in many different Macs. Take a look at your Mac Pro, for example. Anyway, we've got a lot more to explain about why you're not going to see a Mac on ARM anytime soon, which is the ultimate conclusion to make here. And we're going into the ifs, ands, and buts and everything with Daniel Aaron Dilger. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live. Free from the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. GCN. Neighbors, let Bitdefender worry about security. Just enjoy your Mac. Bitdefender antivirus for Mac. Complete protection 24-7. And take a selfie with your Mac, post it on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and tag it Hugamac for a chance to win a MacBook Air. To learn more, go to bitdefender.com backslash hugamac, bitdefender.com backslash hugamac. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount.
You pick up the receiver. With your heart racing and sweat dripping from your forehead, you finally muster the courage to dial the number to call into your favorite talk radio show. It rings once, twice, and then... Hello, it's GCN. What's your name and the state you're calling from? Surprised you got through, you squeak out. Jason from Minnesota. Please hold. As you patiently wait for your turn, you begin to daydream about being a famous talk radio host and what it would be like to have your own show. Jason from Minnesota, you're up. Millions of loyal listeners worldwide waiting to call and talk to you. Caller, are you there? Cheering crowds surround you, calling out your name. Going once, twice. Okay, we gotta move on to the next caller. You blew it. Huh? Wait, no! Interact with the host you're listening to right now online at GCNlive.com. Click on the community link. Engage with other listeners. Ask questions. Start debates. Don't agree with the host? Let them know. Be a part of the community at GCNlive.com. What good is a Big Berkey water filter? We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection. Protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey water filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. Yeah? Did you want to see me, sir? Well, I did, but now that I do, I'm not so sure. Sir? Johnson, I got a mission for you that could change your life. Oh, good, sir. It involves traveling halfway around the world without so much as half a clue of where you're going or what you're going to do when you get there. Situation normal, sir? Uh-huh. Well, I'll be leading this mission, Johnson, so I'll be telling you what to do. You, sir? That's right, Johnson, and I say first things first. Oh, good plan, sir. And what I say is first is food. Always remember that, Johnson. Food is a big deal. Sir, my brother-in-law can guess a really good deal on some surplus MREs. Johnson, if you've got half a brain and that empty head of yours, you'll call the freeze-dry guy like I did. That food is better for you, it rehydrates faster, and it's good, Johnson. And it keeps for up to 30 years. Will we be gone that long, sir? I hope not. Now get your supplies organized and meet me down to the pier at dawn on Sunday. We sail at sunrise. Yes, sir. This adventure is brought to you by the freeze-dry guy. Call 866-404-3663 or visit freezedryguy.com. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. A word of explanation. Go to plus.technightowl.com, plus.technightowl.com. We're offering the high-resolution versions of the Tech Night Owl Live. And what you get is also an ad-free show. We take out those 41 minutes. If you're willing to pay a few bucks a month and a few more bucks a year, plus.technightowl.com. From Apple Insider, and on a rare occasion, roughly drafted magazine, we have Daniel Aaron Dilger. 
Before we get on to other things about Apple and chips, anything else you can say to kind of summarize where we're at with regard to Mac on ARM and why it's probably not going to happen? I think the main thing is that the opportunity for mobile iOS devices is so much larger. And kind of additionally, in line with what you were saying about AMD, there's a trend in, in general computing towards GPUs for more than just graphics. And I think there's going to be an increasing trend away from the idea that a computer is an Intel chip surrounded by some supporting things and maybe a GPU to a situation where increasingly more and more of what you expect of a computer is, is created by the GPU. And that's evident when you look at the Mac Pro, Apple's most powerful computer that they most recently kind of redid from scratch. They put two huge GPUs on it and one Intel CPU. So that tells you something about where technology is going, and it's not necessarily going to be the computer that we saw in the 90s of an Intel chip being the middle of it. And so the whole idea that Apple's going to replace that big Intel chip with a, you know, a big ARM chip of its own design, it's an opportunity. Apple, Apple looks at things fresh in a way that a lot of companies don't. So instead of perpetuating the design of today's computer into the future forever with some slight tweak, I think it's more likely that Apple will radically change what desktop computing is. And the only reason for doing that is to either make it much cheaper or to make it much better. And moving from Intel to ARM doesn't doesn't make it either one immediately. It's like going to Macy's and then saying, I'll go to Dillard's to buy my stuff. <laughs> yeah, Apple's going to radically say, hey, we're going to do something completely different. It's not going to be Dillard's. It's going to be you know online sales or something. It's going to be something we don't expect. So I, I think what Apple could do with, with GPUs and a lot of people don't realize this, but, um, and I'm writing this as an article too, <laughs> uh, what Apple is doing with ARM is in parallel with what it's doing with PowerVR, which is the graphics cores that are on the chips and iOS devices. So we think of it as an ARM chip, but it also has PowerVR graphics on it. And Apple's a licensee for both. So I think... There's a lot of interesting things Apple can do with both sides of that. So we, we may see ARM chips in Macs, but they may not be the only chip. Maybe a supporting chip, maybe the GPU. So it may be that it's not Intel that's getting replaced. It could be NVIDIA. Speaking of NVIDIA, we don't hear as much from them anymore, especially mobile chips. But Apple seems to be using ATI more and more these days. Well, Apple has played the two companies back and forth ever since ever since GPUs really came out as a thing. I mean, GPUs are really only, I mean, actually NVIDIA created the, kind of coined the, the term GPU to market their first, what they called the first GPU, and that was only 1999. So um, there were video kind of chips in the, in the 90s, but the idea of having a, a really strong graphics-oriented processor is sort of a new thing it's in the last 15 years. And over that period of time, if you look at Macs, Apple's gone back and forth, and there's this kind of thing of, why are they using AMD chips now? Why are they back to NVIDIA? And it's because it's great to have multiple sources. And that's possible in a way that it wasn't really possible in a lot of other areas, for example, Intel chips, in part because of OpenGL and being able to move things, um, move existing graphics commands from one 
architecture of ship to an entirely different one because they both supported the same sort of language, the API. So they can take one or the other, again, like buying from Dillard's or Macy's. Yeah, it gives Apple a supply of chips and, and two competitors. I mean, you mentioned the, the example of both AMD and Intel are making Intel-compatible chips, basically x86 compatible. That's also potentially an opportunity for Apple to go between the two. However, Apple has a really, well, I mean, they have a, kind of a relationship with both companies. But I think Apple, since the transition to Intel, Apple was originally very wedded to Intel. Because in the area, somewhere around 2005, I think Steve Jobs got rid of all the kind of in-house design talent for chips because they were doing a lot of custom chips. I mean, um, Motorola, Freescale, and IBM were building the PowerPC chips for Apple, but Apple was doing a lot of the custom chips on PowerMax back in the day. And when they moved to Intel, it was basically, let's just make a PC. It was kind of like what Sony did with the new PlayStation. You know, it's like, let's let's get out of this whole business of doing all these custom chips and just use what everybody else is using. And we'll add value on top of that instead of creating all this custom technology that's unnecessary, that's reinventing the wheel. And so it was a good idea at the time. But as soon as Apple started getting into mobile devices, it became obvious that they needed a lot of in-house talent to figure out how to do that. And that put Apple right back into the game of, of doing a lot of custom work until now Apple's chips and iOS devices, these ARM chips, are extremely customized. And Apple's, Apple's currently, not only did they come out with a first 64-bit mobile chip, but they also have customized their 64-bit design. So they're now in the second generation of custom development, and it's put them way ahead of the rest of the industry. And everybody else, I mean, you look at uh, Qualcomm and Samsung are two leaders. I mean, they're both really big companies that supply most of the world's chips for mobile devices. They're basically the Intel of mobile devices. But neither one of them have, have gotten to 64-bit yet with chips that they can use. And when, when they do, which is apparently coming out this spring, they're going to be generic ARM designs that are, don't work as well. And in fact, rumor, I mean, we've just every month, there's, there's new reports saying that Qualcomm is having this difficulty with their latest um, 64-bit ARM chip and just it is overheating all the time because they're running it so fast and to, to try to make compact uh, to try to keep up with what Apple did with with the iPhone 5s the a7 chip so it's pretty phenomenal to be able to jump ahead of the industry by a couple of years now, point out here the fact that some people criticize Apple because the speed ratings of their A-series chips are lower than the stuff being offered by Samsung and other companies. They use less RAM. But when you do all the benchmarks, the iPhone and the iPads are way, way up there in terms of performance. Yeah, a big part of engineering is, is deciding what to, what to pursue and what not to pursue. And the kind of easy way to engineer things is to just push resources into making everything bigger and bigger and bigger. But there's a lot of detrimental aspects of that too. And so the, the chips that are competing with apples have much higher clock rates and attach much more Ram in part because they're typically running Android, which needs more help and getting fast. Uh, and in part because there isn't as much custom work done 
Apple is so vertically integrated. They're making the chips, they're making the operating system, they're working with apps, they know how everything works, so that they can tune things to where they work exactly the way that they need to work. Not only to be fast, but also to be efficient, because mobility is increase, it's, it's incredibly important to not use power when you're not plugged into the wall. And so the, the things that have sped up chips on the desktop don't necessarily work. If you just keep ramping up the, the processor speed, the problem is that you're constantly using battery power, even when the phone is in your pocket. So a lot of mobility technology involves being able to idle cores and be able to, to do a lot of things that um, are not important on a desktop. Let's get into more of this in our next segment. With Daniel Aaron Dilger, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. UnseenNow.com, proud sponsor of GCN. Unseen Now's unparalleled encryption tools keep your communications secure. GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com This is Dan Pillard. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists, get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow, a new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Hi, I'm George Norrie from Coast to Coast AM. I recently learned about a very unusual pharmacist who does not advocate use of prescription drugs, except in rare circumstances, say when powerful antibiotics are needed to kill a potentially lethal infection, such as pneumonia or staph. Instead, pharmacist Ben Fuchs from Boulder, Colorado, suggests always giving the body all the nutrients it needs to survive, thrive, escape illness, and live younger and longer. I don't think you will find anyone who knows more about how the body works and can explain it in such a delightful and entertaining way. Ben has recorded some very useful health nugget minutes that are available 24-7 online at criticalhealthnews.com. 
I invite you to log on to criticalhealthnews.com, listen to these pharmacist Ben health nuggets, and maybe even interact with Ben via chat or email. You're going to love Pharmacist Ben online at criticalhealthnews.com. We all know that Berkey water purification systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey guy offers amazing specials for Berkey water filtration systems. The Berkey light systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey light system today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. So evidently the technique on the Android side is to use a sledgehammer. Now, one of the things that Google promised with this new Android 5 lollipop, and I want to get into this for a moment, one of the things that they promised was the fact that they would make it much faster. Instead of using Java as an intermediate layer, they're going to use something else. Explain that in plain English. Well, I mean, every every version of Android has tried to catch up in speed because there's been a, it's obviously lagging iOS. And Part of that is processor-related. A lot of it is actually GPU-related to what we were talking about before because Apple made it a big priority on the first iPhone to make everything GPU-accelerated. So all these animations and when you flip the screen, it's all there's hardware behind the scenes making it faster. And Google saw that. I mean, when, when, Apple, when Apple came out with the iPhone, it was very obvious that that's what they were doing. It wasn't a secret. But it took them five years to get that to their own phones because they didn't see it as a priority. And so it created this very clear difference between using an iPhone as fast and buttery and smooth and using an Android device was jaggy and leggy. And even recently, even after they've kind of copied the same idea of making sure that there's faster graphics, um, there's a, a couple problems. One is that Android hardware is designed to be cheap more than anything else. And so Apart from the very fastest, you know, brand new things, you know, some of Google's own Nexus products and some of the most expensive um, Samsung phones that are more expensive than the iPhone, historically, the majority of Android phones are low end. Facebook just came out with a a blog post in the last few months. um, And I noticed what they were saying. and I looked at the stats and but basically what they had observed was that 60 percent of the Android phones that were hitting Facebook were of the era of, of a 2011 phone. So like an iPhone from 2011, like a, a flagship high-end phone from 2011. That's what the Android installed base is, mostly. 
That's like an iPhone 4S. Yes. Okay, now consider this. You see, in the mobile phone space, you know, things move a lot faster. So, for example, if you have a five-year-old iMac like I do, yes, it's not as fast as a 2013 iMac or the 2014 5K iMac, but not that much slower. You know, I just outfitted it with a SSD, and it's pretty quick, pretty useful. can keep going until everything blows apart. But an iPhone 4S, I mean, it lags with the current operating system. Now imagine a current phone being sold with the guts of an iPhone 4S. Yeah, for a lot of people, that's like, okay. Especially like in the developing world and and in countries where um, people don't have the money to spend $1,000 on a phone every year. So, you know, it totally makes sense why Google particularly is targeting that market. And if you look at last year, what what was supposed to be Android 5, which ended up being not last year, it's now two years ago almost, um, in 2013, KitKat, there was a major sort of realization by Google that they have to stop trying to pretend to be iOS, trying to catch up with Apple, and they need to, you know, skate to where their puck is. And their puck is India and China and other countries where they have a shot at selling tons of phones, but they're low-end phones. So it's a different business from Apple. And over the last couple of years in particular, Google has sort of recalibrated Android to be like, oh, instead of being the knockoff iOS, which is kind of hard to pull off, we can much easier target a market completely different from Apple. In fact, that's really our only opportunity. It's not nearly as valuable as an opportunity, but Google doesn't make the hardware. They can't sell hardware. People think that Nexus devices sell like iPhones. They do not. It's a tiny fragment, like an extremely tiny fragment of Android. Now, let me just point out here another important fact about this. Android 5 Lollipop. Now, the other day I read the adoption rate. It came out in what? November or December. The adoption rate was 0.1%. percent, Not 1%, a tenth of 1%. And part of it is within the first days it was released for Nexus devices, they had to stop it because of performance problems. People are still complaining. I mean, there are people who say, well, iOS 8 was buggy and OS 10 Yosemite are buggy. And both are, like any operating system. But compare that to Lollipop. Nobody's getting it, maybe because Google has not really gotten it ready yet. Okay. Um, first thing is the numbers that you mentioned were actually from the first week of January. So those are current numbers. Uh, yes, that's the point. Yes, yeah, they have very current numbers. Um, second of all, yes, uh, the pretty much only people that have gotten Lollipop over the over the winter quarter were Android or Google's own devices, the Nexus devices, which don't make up that big of a percentage of the Android base anyway. But um, more than that, yes, there's a lot of there's a lot of issues with. Android five, um, and it like any operating system. I mean, if you remember the rollout of KitKat, it took forever to get even a small segment of the Android base on KitKat because there's no real reason for existing 
phones to be upgraded in the, in the minds of the carriers and the manufacturers and, you know, all these levels of having to support all these phones. There's, there's something like 10 to 20,000 different Android devices. So that just the effort of trying to update all those is incredible. So updates just rarely happen. If you have a, the highest in flagship phones, you may get an update within the next, within a year or a year and a half of it going on sale. But in general, the Android doesn't roll out updates reliably or quickly for all these different phones, just because it's, it's a monumental task. Whereas Apple has a much easier job of supporting basically one or two new phones every year. So they can roll out updates going back two or three years, which they've, they've always done like something like three years of updates as long as the iPhone's been around. And historically, every other platform, not just Android, but everything has just never been updates. Windows Phone didn't have updates. Windows Mobile never got updates. Well, the thing also that Microsoft did with Windows Phone is they excluded even recent phones when they had a major upgrade from being upgraded. And now it's not going to be Windows Phone anymore. It's Windows 10, like the desktop. It's getting confusing over there. Microsoft doesn't really have a position in phones. I mean, they're they're selling some low-end phones with Windows Windows Phone or whatever they're calling it now, um, but they're they're almost not relevant in the phone business. They would sure like to be, but they're not. Okay, we'll go into that in a moment. The key here is how many of the people who are using Android Five Lollipop, all five of them, whatever percentage it is, and I'm joking about the numbers. It's obviously very small because it hasn't been deployed. There's still a lot of serious problems with it, aren't there? Yeah, if you do the, if you look at what yeah. a lot of the problems you, you mentioned, iOS eight and the issues people have been having, and yeah, there's a lot of. I noticed, you know, there's issues that you're like, oh man, why don't they fix this? And uh, there's been a lot of talk recently about how iOS is more problematic than previous releases, and that's almost pushing a little bit because every release does have bugs. But yes, Apple is pushing iOS as fast as they can. Same thing with OS ten, and they're they're working really hard to push out new stuff. And when you do that, you incur problems with changing things. It's on a totally different level of magnitude, the problems that that Android faces. So they're rolling out an entirely new runtime. All the apps that are out there are sort of problematic and haven't been regularly updated. The apps on iOS are regular, like Apple's basically pushes out technology so fast that to be a, a relevant app store developer, you have to keep up with the latest stuff that's going on because everybody is moving to the new OS immediately. And so if you're not constantly updating your apps, no one's going to find your stuff relevant. Under Android, that's, that's not the case, because first of all, no one's getting updated. Whether they want to be or not, they just can't get updates in, in most cases. So developers have to support what's actually out there. That prevents app developers from updating and so it creates all this situation where nothing is kind of up to date and everything's sort of stuck in the past and so how do you roll out new stuff this is a very much a chicken egg situation a lot of nice features may be in lollipop but developers are going to be very slow to implement them we have daniel aaron dilger with us i'm gene steinberg you're in the tech night out live Yeah. 
independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN. You ever hear about Ghost 80% AR-15 rifle kits? At Guns80.com, they are the 80% specialists, helping to protect our privacy. Look, there are forces out there right now trying to register guns for future confiscation. UN treaties threatening our Second Amendment and our freedom. You need a Ghost AR-15. Get it at Guns80.com. Call 844-2-GUNS-80. That's 844-248-6780. Own an AR-15 today and keep it a secret. Go to Guns80.com. That's Guns80.com. 844-2-GUNS-80. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows pause and rewind live tv even skip the commercials watch local channels too at just $19.99 what are you waiting for pull out your major credit or debit card call 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV say goodbye to the cable guy cut costs and get more 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Now, Daniel Aaron Dilger being a server geek might appreciate this. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. We've been in touch with a company called Mac Stadium, macstadium.com, just how it sounds. It's an Atlanta-based company. And I learned of them a while back because I think they had some kind of influx of working capital or something that got publicized in one of the trade magazines. And I got in touch with the people there. And as a result, they said, how would you like to have your site's hosted on a Mac. Now, this is complicated, folks, and I don't want to get into the geeky details because we're still running the same Linux-based operating system and control panel software. But instead of using a big, heavy blade server, and Daniel knows what I'm talking about, those big rack-mounted servers that you put in data centers, you've worked on those, haven't you, Daniel? Yep. Okay. Imagine all those sites going on a 2.7-pound Mac Mini with greater performance. Our sites are running about 20% faster. Can you explain that to me? Why it would be faster? Yeah, why is the Mac Mini faster? It really is. I mean, you do benchmarks on your sites. There are ways to see how fast your sites load. And it loads faster. And the load of the server, you think it's a Mac Mini with a 2.3 gigahertz 
Core i7 quad-core processor. They don't even make that anymore for Mac minis. And the site's faster, and the load that the server presents when we check it is lower. How is it running faster and more efficiently on hardware that should be a fraction of what we had before? Well, we think of servers uh, as being these huge, powerful engines, but what is what a, specifically a web server, what it's doing is pretty simple in terms of taking a request and responding with an HTML document that's usually pretty small. So typically when you have a huge server, if you look at it in a server closet and you see this like big blade stuck in there, um, it's serving a lot of websites or doing some other things on the side that are much more intensive. So it, it would certainly be simple to take a consumer level like um, Mac mini. And if you have it devoted to doing one website, it can fly handling all kinds of requests. Well, of course, we're not running one site. We have 13 different sites who run on the server. But that's not a lot. I mean, you have these services running a thousand sites. I mean, if you go to one of the major web hosts that do mass market stuff like Namecheap, which is a great place. We've referred customers there. You know, on a shared server, they'll run, you know, several hundred sites. So maybe you're saying there that for a small number of highly optimized sites, there's not really a great advantage in that big, bad server. Well, it really depends on, yeah, what, what your load is. If you're in what else you're doing, if you're, just, um, if you're just serving up pages, you can do that on a lot of things. And a Mac Mini, we think of a Mac Mini as not being the fastest computer possible, but it's very fast in a lot of regards because to, to feel fast, a computer has to be pretty fast. And point out, too, that we do have an SSD on there. You know, we're not playing games here. We do have an SSD, 500 gigabyte SSD. So that's also causing a lower system load and the files are downloaded faster. So that helps. Yeah, I mean, the, the, all, the, all the things that the kind of technologies that Apple works on. A lot of people think of, of Macs as being like, oh, they're not the fastest thing out there. But a lot of the technologies that Apple has pushed, if you look at the, how Macs have changed over the last 10 years, five years, SSD is a good example of that, but there's a lot of technologies that Apple has pushed that are more expensive to, to do, but they result in a huge change in how perceivably fast it is, because it is a, a big change in how actually fast it is, in addition to SSD and the kind of memory that you're using and how fast your networking is. You can plug a, a network cable into a Mac Mini, and you have an extremely fast network just because the technology is fast. We do have a fast network, very fast network, gigabit Ethernet network, so we can take a lot of traffic simultaneously. So So, even though we consider that kind of a consumer-level machine, uh, what it can actually do is pretty fast. And Apple Apple has tried to market it as a server in part because they got rid of their server, the XServe. It was just such so far away from the rest of of its core competency and what it was really good at doing. And the, you know, the people who are buying Macs and even iOS mobile devices, there's so little overlap with servers that Apple's kind of moved away from that market. I mean, kind of, they've very moved away from that market. It doesn't have a strategic focus, but that doesn't mean that, you know, you can't run a web server on a, on a Mac. The way we get around it is we have a VMware virtual machine that's loaded. On the VMware virtual machine, we have one CentOS, which is a Linux 
derived operating system. And then we have cPanel, which controls web hosts. A lot of web hosts use cPanel. In fact, they're Mac friendly. A lot of the support people use Mac minis, as a matter of fact. And that's how the setup works. For anyone who wants to know about this, if you want a dedicated server, the Mac server, it's very cheap. I won't give the prices. Just check it out. It is very cheap. But the problem being here is that Apple no longer makes those quad-core Intel processor-equipped models. That may not make a difference for a web server. Do these operating systems under Linux even take advantage of multi-cores? Yeah, it would depend upon what you're actually running. But Linux is designed to run on basically low-end hardware. It's designed to get kind of a bare bones. There's there's not a lot of effort put at you know creating this nice user environment on the Mac. So when you're running Linux on a Mac, it's even faster because you're doing so much less overhead. I mean, a lot of Apple uses a lot of they express a lot of the horsepower in the user interface. I mean, everything on the screen is is um, accelerated by the GPU, and it's like designed to feel fast in addition to being fast. So if you strip that all away and you're focused entirely on serving pages, even though it's, you think of it as being a consumer device, uh, it's a very fast computer. And then bear in mind, too, that the actual management is not done with some kind of operating system. It's web-based. Okay, so cPanel, which we use, yeah. it's web-based. You log in and you have this interface. It's, you know, it's not pretty compared to a Mac, but... You know, it's serviceable. It does what we want to do. And just wanted to bring that to your attention, that our sites are now hosted on a Mac. And I think people have asked us about that for a number of years. Listen, you're here talking about technology and you do a lot of things with regard to Apple. Why don't you eat your own dog food? Now, we're not using OS X server. And maybe things would run differently that way. But the reason I didn't is translating and moving everything from a totally different management environment to OS 10 server is not going to be easy. If we decide to go back, it's also going to be difficult. So we went halfway, but that's the hardware. Let's see how it runs for a few weeks. Let's get back here with our remaining moments with Daniel Aaron Dilger of Apple Insider. Now, one thing, of course, we're hearing more and more now as we get closer is Apple Watch, Apple Watch, Apple Watch, going to be a big fail. What, this is, gets back to almost the opening discussion here, that all the predictions people make about Apple products, a lot of them are fail. Constantly, it's got to fail. This has to fail. That has to fail. Everything they do has got to fail, as if this company is run by complete idiots. Well, yeah, anytime you, you ask a competitors what they're... <laughs> what their competitor is going to, you know, is this going to work out? Of course they're going to say, probably not. And that's an interesting thing to hear, too. A lot of times they talk to people to get opinions about Apple, and those people have their fingers in the pockets of companies who finance them who do not have Apple's best interest in heart. I mean, you want to get an opinion about General Motors, you go to Ford? And say, yeah. hey, what do you think General Motors is doing with their new Cadillac or their new Volt electric car? And, of course, the guy at Ford's going to say, oh, this is going to be a, a miserable failure. Of course they're going to say that. So I guess it would be equivalent to having someone who consults for Microsoft being asked how Apple will do. 
and this happens more often than you think, and being given the obvious answer. With Daniel Arendilger of Apple Insider, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. Friends, this is Alex Jones for MidasResources.com. For more than 15 years, I have exclusively used Midas Resources for all my precious metal needs. Whether it's bullion or collectibles you're looking for, Midas Resources is simply the best. I own my gold as a hedge against inflation. This Federal Reserve fiat currency could go the way of the Deutschmark and the Weimar Republic anytime. In these historically dangerous times, it makes sense to physically hold gold and silver. Midas already has some of the best deals in the industry. But if you give them a call and mention the radio special, they will give you a list of the day's super specials. Midas brokers are standing by to answer all your questions at 800-686-2237. They also have a lot of informative free literature explaining the opportunities and risk of holding precious metals. They are ready to answer your questions at 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy. So you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. Hi, this is Laura Harris of Lady Talk Live. With the current threat of epidemics and pandemics threatening us and medical resources dwindling, it's time we protect ourselves. That's why I use Longevity's Immune Booster Beta 500. Beta 500 is the most powerful immune system booster you can buy. This proprietary blend provides the most studied and proven immune system booster available. Order now. Call 855-333-5239. That's 855-333-5239. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. So in our final segment with Daniel Aaron Dilger of Apple Insider and occasionally Roughly Drafted magazine, and I'm going to encourage him to do more writing for them. All right, let's look at this specifically here. Apple Watch. Is there any way to predict anything right now about a product that probably won't be out for at least two months? Well, you can generally look at Apple and their level of competency and what their track history has been and extrapolate, you know, a little... (laughs) A little bit about, you know, is this a company that throws out a bunch of pie-in-the-sky ideas that aren't finished? If you look at Microsoft and Google, they have just come out with just complete nonsense, overhyped product ideas that are just not even close to being a real product. And they've blown out this stuff as a distraction over and over and over again. And you look at what Microsoft just showed off, and this hologram goggles thing, they portrayed as something that is completely not. I don't think it's a hologram. A hologram is when you create a a 3D image with light. This is augmented technology. What do you call it? Augmented reality. Which, if they called it what it was, it'd be like, oh, of course, Microsoft is a couple years late to this party. It's basically Google Glass with a little bit, you know, a few more years of work into it. You know, it's something that's noteworthy, but it's like not a finished product. It's not ready to go. And it's not doing what it's promising to do. And most of its novelty has already been demonstrated by other companies. So it's a real bunch of smoke and mirrors. And if you look at Google, I mean, Google did the same, you know, Google Glass was a little bit more inventive when they came out with it in in terms of being novel, but it wasn't a very practical device. And what they were portraying that this is how you're going to use it was completely ridiculous. We're going to walk around with this ugly glasses on our face and just constantly film everybody. I mean, what a stupid idea. Why are they putting Tony Fidel in charge of this enterprise? I mean, he's supposedly a pretty competent guy. Tony Fidel is running Nest, and Google Glass went nowhere as a product concept for this however many years. What was it, like three year, years that they just like kept talking about how it was going to come out? And now they're basically putting it down, but they're saying that it's graduated. You know, it's going to, you know, basically went to heaven. You know, what euphemistic garbage. So basically, this is an excuse to say, we're killing the product, but we won't admit it, so we'll make some executive the head of the project, but he knows pretty well nothing's going to happen. Yeah, maybe if if they figure out a way to sell it, they're going to come back to market with it. But, you know, what they should have done is figure that out first. So it's just the way they portray stuff. It's just such garbage. Now, that's an extremely different. That's what Google always does. Everything that they've come out with has been like that. It's sort of half finished, like, hey, we have an idea. We want everyone to 
do it so that we can make money off ads. And, you know, that has not worked out over and over and over and over again in their hardware products and, you know, and even other initiatives. Google still makes all of their money from the desktop ads. If you compare those kind of product, you know, kind of hope, like, hey, we're just going to throw out this product at, you know, Google TV and Nexus Q and, you know, all these kind of set-top boxes that they've thrown out. The, the latest one is the Nexus player or whatever they call it, Android TV or whatever. Of course, they're going to fail because they're just like half-assed products that aren't finished, that don't really, haven't been a lot of thought put into them. And now if you compare that to Apple Watch, Apple is not saying, hey, we have this idea for like putting a cell phone from last year on your, on your, on your wrist. And we think developers are going to figure out how to make this sellable. That's the kind of product. And in a lot of regards, that's kind of what Newton was back in the day. What was that, 30 years ago? They came up with this idea. It's like, hey, here's raw technology. There's some really interesting stuff in here. But it's kind of unfinished. And we haven't really given a lot of thought to how actually people would want to use this or why. Or why they pay $1,000 for it. And it didn't really have much success. I mean, they sold, they sold some, but you know, clearly it wasn't a tremendously successful product. Now, if you compare that against what Apple has done since Steve Jobs kind of changed how the company works, you look at the iPod, it dramatically, rapidly took Apple from being like the sort of barely functional company into being a consumer electronics giant. Didn't immediately. It took some years for it to reach these huge volumes that put it in the class of, of other major consumer electronics companies like Sony. But people were immediately, millions of people were buying this product. And when the iPhone came out, it was even a bigger order of, you know, a, a bigger rush behind it because it was, again, a product that had, uh, there was a lot of thought that went into making it a good product and something that people would actually want to buy. You look at it and you're like, man, I want one of those. I've never seen that before. And the or iPad was kind of the same thing. Yeah, so, but we only have a couple of minutes left. So let me rush into this. Yeah. So when you look at Apple Watch, it's the same situation where they put a lot of effort into looking at how is this going to be a tech product, but also, which is new for Apple, how is it going to be a fashion product? Because when you put something on your body, it has to be more than just a tech product. It has to be something, if you're going to wear something all the time, unless you're a nerd, which there's a lot of nerd represented in the people who talk about technology, but the people who buy technology are regular people. They're not like us. And so they don't wear things because they think that they're cool. They wear things because they are cool. And so to, to sell a product like that, you have to think really differently than if you are just used to selling megabytes and uh, megahertz. And so every, you know, if you look at the, the marketing and everything about Apple Watch, there's a lot of non-tech world expertise that's going into how this thing works, how it looks, how it's going to be sold. And how it's going to make you feel when you put it on. And if you compare that to smartwatches, what they're talking about, which is a completely ridiculous category of stupid junk that you could strap to yourself, there's just no comparison. And, it's, you know, it's, it's, I think it's hilarious to go to these tech blogs that are like, oh, the Motorola X or whatever it's called is such a great, beautiful thing. It's just gorgeous. No, it's not. It looks like a tin can strapped to your wrist. It looks stupid. And the way that it works is stupid. It just screams Android at you. And of course, nobody bought it because it's, it's not cool. 
maybe if you're really into tech, you think it's neat to have the, the thing that, you know, Google just released, but it's not cool on any level. And Apple Watch is not like that at all. It may not be cool to tech people, but, you know, it is, it's kind of a combination of um, jewelry and fashion in a way that tech people don't even understand. And it conveys a lot of things. And, and when you look at the marketing of it, um, instead of criticizing it, people should be looking at it and thinking, how does this work and why does it work? And how all this didn't, um, expertise that's been put in this, uh, how are we thinking about those same kind of issues in the products that we make? The questions they never ask. Daniel Aaron Dilger, please tell our listeners where they can find more of the stuff that you do. I write pretty regular for Apple Insider, and I have my Twitter feed. It's at Daniel Aaron, E-R-A-N, which when I do write for other things, I put a link on there. And in about 10 years, you'll have another column for Roughly Drafted. I'm joking. Well, I'd like to relaunch my site. I need to work on that, because right now I have some problems even updating it. It's, it's kind of stuck in maintenance mode, but... A WordPress issue. Daniel Aaron Dilger, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Yeah, thanks for having me, Gene. The nation's largest independently owned and operated talk radio network. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners, 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. On Facebook, on the news, and in conversations with friends, we're bombarded every day with advice on how to be healthier, from gluten-free and non-GMO diets to how much exercise and sleep the body needs. But how much have you heard about alkalizing the body? AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops are a holistic and natural way to get your body's pH levels back in balance. Just a few drops in water will help your body rid itself of harmful waste. And even the healthiest of diets can be complemented with your daily use of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Who isn't looking for more vibrance, vigor, and energy? Now buy two bottles of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops and get $10 off your order. Visit AlkaVision.com or call 800-518-7615. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops are packed with a powerful combination of the most alkaline minerals and compounds. Open the door to greater health, vitality, and zest for life. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health. Call 800-518-7615 or head to AlkaVision.com. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. 
Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE, 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. The Genesis Communications Network is one of America's premier broadcasters of captivating talk radio. We thank you for listening. Now, now, just imagine, there are thousands of people who are just as passionate about radio as you are. But what you may not realize is how easy and affordable it is to advertise with us. Radio commercials for your business could be heard on hundreds of radio stations across the U.S. every day. We can help you by creating an effective radio advertising campaign for your company. From script writing to producing your commercial just like the one you're listening to right now no other network provides the level of customer service we do when it comes to radio advertising we are your one-stop shop and no matter how big or small your business is we can help email us and advertise at gcnlive.com and an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website advertise at gcnlive.com easy affordable effective What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. We have John Martellaro of the Mac Observer joining us. And as usual, when John comes on the Tech Night Out Live, he gives us an agenda, you know, list of talking points. We may not pursue those talking points. I may throw them out and say, let's talk about something else. And he's a real trooper and he doesn't mind. But in this case, I wanted to bring up something first before Uh-oh. we go on here. Uh-oh. Okay. Now, bracing, bracing myself here. I, it's just a very simple thing. I mentioned it to Daniel Aaron Dilger earlier in the show. And that is our sites are now hosted on a Mac, but not just any Mac, a Mac Mini. Okay. Now, I'm surprised because before we set up this Mac Mini, we had our sites on a Blade server from a company called Supermicro with 12-core Xeon processor, like 64 gigabytes of RAM, you know, high-energy RAID drives. Now we've got 2.7-pound Mac Mini with an i7 from Intel, one of the last quad cores that he was able to find because they don't offer quad cores anymore, with 2.3 gigahertz, 16 gigabytes of RAM, a 500 gigabyte SSD, and runs faster than the Blade server. You're running Apache, of course. We're running Apache. We're using a hypervisor, okay, a VMware hypervisor, because we're running CentOS with cPanel. Uh So we're running Linux on a Mac Mini, with a virtual machine, and it runs faster than the Blade server. Interesting. That's a good. Well, first of all, that's a good version of Linux. My wife uses it quite a bit in her teaching. It's it's probably a bit of a physical shock because the Mac Mini is so small, and and yet you know we pack all sorts of powerful things into iPhones and, and Apple Watch and electro- powerful electronics. Running Linux on something that's an inch square is not real surprising. So you really can't calibrate it by its its physical size. 
I'm not surprised at all. I mean, that's a pretty good piece of hardware. And also, it runs at a much lower system load than the native Supermicro server, which hmm. surprised me even more. When it's doing backups, for example, we have an external drive, USB 3 drive for backups. It runs at half the server load as the Blade server. Have you compared both on the same network? Obviously, they're on different data centers. But we did measure the performance of the sites. We have something called hosttracker.com, where you're able to check your site at different measurement stations around the world. And the timing comes in up to 20% faster than it did with the other. Now, the other thing, of course, we run them through a special DNS server that has points of presence around the world. So it's going through the same DNS system. Isn't that curious? Now, the only other difference is our Blade server was in Phoenix. The Mac Stadium server, the Mac Mini, is in Atlanta. So what can I tell you? You should let Apple know about that. I'm going to. I'm going to contact Apple and say, can you explain how your little tiny computer... Well, I wouldn't ask him to explain it. I would say, here's a use case that you might be interested in. Here's the testing we did. And, um, hey, you might uh, you know, want to know about how great this is working out for us. And maybe they'll figure out a way to spread the news. Well, the thing to bear in mind also is, obviously, under heavy load and everything, in terms of reliability, a Blade server is probably going to have redundant power supplies and things like that. The Mac Mini, if things go bad what they'd have to do is take the backup drive and bring it to a new Mac mini. So, you know, I don't expect the yeah, same level of reliability, yeah, but I'm, yeah. that's a big issue. That's something that you pay for because even the loaded Mac mini is still going to cost a third of what the super micro computer cost. Well, you know, that's a good point. Uh, well, blade servers are designed to, to be low cost and to roll over easy, but uh, the Mac Mini has got Apple's traditional quality of parts for the, for the consumer, and that worked out really well. We'll see how it runs in a few months. Let's talk yeah. about quality, as a matter of fact. This leads us to our next discussion, but it's not so much about the quality of hardware, which is a given. Apple traditionally rates at the high end of quality in terms of reliability for PC hardware in general. Let's talk about OS X. Now, OS X Yosemite, if you look at the ratings over at the App Store, is not getting the love, folks. It's got like a two and a half star rating, which is like half. It means that more than half the people think it's lousy and half the people think it's great and somehow it's averaged out. So what is the problem here? I don't have any troubles with OS X Yosemite, but I know some people do. What's going on? Well, one of the things that's happening is is that from a, a casual user level, if you don't use any sophisticated apps or dig into things or, or you know have some special functionality that you depend on, you, you may not notice a problem. I did beta testing during the, the beta program on a MacBook Air, and... Um, except for some cosmetic blemishes along the way that got cleaned up in in beta four, um, you know, I was fairly happy with it. I gave a presentation on it at a local Mac users group, uh, Mac and Tech here in Centennial, Colorado, and um, that seemed to be okay. And I pressed it into service on my uh, Mac Pro as soon as uh, the release version came out, and I still didn't have too many problems, except I was having graphics 
alert messages about graphics problems popping up all the time. And do you want to report this to Apple? And I said, yes. So there, there's something going on with the uh, Fire Pros. But um, generally not, big, not a big problem. But uh, being in this business, you get your ears to the railroad tracks and you're you're watching what other people are doing and you're listening to the readers and you're, you're reading articles and slowly it became apparent that there were some issues um, in OS 10, especially brought up by some of the developers like Michael Sy at, at C command. And, and then I started collecting articles for particle debris. It's a column I write every Friday at the Mac observer. And I started seeing that there was a whole lot of stuff going on uh, for the users being frustrated, there was there were stability errors. Jim Tannis complained about how he uh, couldn't depend on it. He was getting crashes. Our Brian Chaffin was getting spontaneous logouts to the desktop. Just boom. Spontaneous logouts? Yeah, you just instantly, you know, the screen just, everything just shuts down. Boom. There's the login screen. Imagine uh, if you're recording a radio show or doing a long project. Oh, Yeah. That was that that showed up first in Mavericks, but it was very rare. It uh, was more prevalent in, in Yosemite for Brian. I had it happen to me a couple of times in Mavericks, then it went away, and I haven't seen it yet in Yosemite. So, one of the features of this uh, Yosemite situation is is that it's very inconsistent. It's hard to pin down. It's hard to debug and you know point a finger at it. And then I found another article at Ars Technica um, by um, uh, Mr. Van uh, Bijam about how after a decade uh, of using uh, MDNS Responder for networking, Apple completely rewrote it in C++ of all languages uh, and substituted it um, with something called Discovery D. Well, explain to our listeners what this is, because we're now hitting the nth level of geekdom. Well, I don't want to get into too much technical detail, but it's basically it handles the the DNS, the the domain name resolution and, and, and manages your networking services so that things mount and things are seeable on the network and you can uh you know connect to various devices and and so on and um i suppose apple fooled themselves into thinking that with a public public beta and no serious issues reported that they could go ahead and jam discovery d in there as a complete ground up rewrite of something that had been working for 10 years and by and by people started having issues with that and of course we all know the the well-known thing about uh, itunes syncing uh, having a problem, and, and Kirk McElhern is the champion of that because he's the iTunes guru. He is, by the way, Macworld's iTunes guy. Yeah. And whatever goes yeah. wrong with iTunes, well, that's different. But of course, iTunes 12 has not gotten the love. I mean, Apple oh, no. did some curious interface <laughs> oh. things. We can do a whole show. We've already I did done a several. I did a review of iTunes 12 when it came out, and I said it should be withdrawn from the market. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really not my favorite. But we'll get into more of this in a moment with John Martellero of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Great minds think alike. The network for the independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. 
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. We love that you're passionate about GCN. And whether you're a listener, a business owner, or a radio industry professional, we've redesigned the new GCN newsletter to keep you in the know. Get updates on your favorite GCN shows and hosts. Go to GCNlive.com and click on the banner in the upper left corner. Just for signing up, you're automatically entered for monthly giveaways. Start receiving your newsletter today. The future of talk radio. GCN. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows pause and rewind live tv even skip the commercials watch local channels too at just 19.99 what are you waiting for pull out your major credit or debit card call 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV say goodbye to the cable guy cut costs and get more 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV yeah? Did you want to see me, sir? Well, I did, but now that I do, I'm not so sure. Sir? Johnson, I got a mission for you that could change your life. Oh, good, sir. It involves traveling halfway around the world without so much as half a clue of where you're going and what you're going to do when you get there. Situation normal, sir? Uh-huh. Well, I'll be leading this mission, Johnson, so I'll be telling you what to do. You, sir? That's right, Johnson, and I say first things first. Oh, good plan, sir. And what I say is first is food. Always remember that, Johnson. Food is a big deal. Sir, my brother-in-law can give us a really good deal on some surplus MREs. Johnson, if you've got half a brain and that empty head of yours, you'll Call the freeze-dry guy like I did. That food is better for you, it rehydrates faster, and it's good, Johnson. And it keeps for up to 30 years. Will we be gone that long, sir? Well, I hope not. Now get your supplies organized and meet me down to the pier at dawn on Sunday. We sail at sunrise. Yes, sir. This adventure is brought to you by the freeze-dry guy. Call 866-404-3663. 
or visit freezedryguy.com. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. On the Mac Observers, John Martellaro is joining us. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live, talking about OS X Yosemite software quality with a very quick redirection into iTunes 12. But let's just get away from that because sure, we've sure. done a few shows with that. And Kirk is a f- old friend. He's been on here, so we've talked about it. All right. So this DNS lookup utility, that means that you don't get sites coming up properly? Other Sometimes things you work? have uh, local servers or you have sites yeah, not coming up correctly. I don't want to get into the technical details because I'm not really well versed in that, but it alarmed me that Apple would take a very good, robust, standard, basic Unix tool that they'd used for a decade, written in C and, and generally fine ever since OS 10.10.2, and then decide to do something new. The, the thing that's more interesting to me is, is that, as I said in the article, Apple's working hard to increase the interoperability between OS X and iOS. And that requires tweaking the basics of their operating system. That's driven by a certain agenda. And then that necessarily means fooling around with things that have worked for a long time in order to introduce new features. And of course, that necessarily brings about bugs. And so it's it's what I call agenda-driven. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing, but it does mean that you have to really pay attention to quality assurance. And there are some birdies on my shoulder who've told me from time to time that the teams are under a lot of pressure. There's time pressure. They don't do the quality assurance they should. And and so this thing kind of leaks out. And what happens is, is it looks fine in, in quality assurance until you get to special corner cases where people have problems. And of course, we all know about the issues that some people have been having with uh, family sharing, uh, issues from time to time on iCloud, uh, document sharing. Glenn Fleischman wrote an article that I linked to in my article about the problems with Mac OS X and iOS that, that have been annoying people. And then there's the iOS, what was it, 8.0? 0.1 that killed your phone from making uh, phone calls. That that started another discussion about quality assurance issues. Let me just interrupt here for a second. Sure. Now, one of the Apple executives, and we both know, was quoted as saying the problem with iOS 8.0.1. It was withdrawn within about an hour, but still affected yeah. 40,000 yeah. iPhone 6s. Right. It was the wrapper now, what did he mean by the wrapper? I was thinking the delivery mechanism or the installer. I haven't a clue. <laughs> Why do they do that? I mean, think about it for a moment, folks. If you're going to communicate a problem to somebody, say, hey, this is why we screwed up. There's nothing wrong with the update because it's the same update for 8.0.2, but the wrapper, the wrapper. It sounds like somebody that maybe Dr. Dre trained you know. It's a technical term I'm not really familiar with. Sure, airdrop has been a particular headache for me. I, I mentioned that I hadn't had too many troubles. But when I was doing beta testing, I have a MacBook Air that's supposed to meet the, the airdrop requirements. I never could get airdrop to work. It wasn't until I had an iPhone and iPad on 8.1 and I had a Yosemite update that I could get 
airdrop to see all the machines it was supposed to see. And speaking of airdrop, what is this about having to have a finder window open with airdrop not being specifically a place, but basically just something where you turn on the ability of the, say, the Mac to listen? So you have to open a window called airdrop. Then you can see it from the sharing on your iPhone or your iPad. And then you can just touch a file that's been selected and transmitted over. But where does it go? Does it go into the airdrop, quote, folder that doesn't exist? No, that's just a turn on. It goes into the downloads folder. So then you've got to go find it in the downloads folder and put it somewhere. What is going on? <laughs> oh, not to mention the Wi-Fi problems people had. <laughs> we haven't even gone to the Wi-Fi. We haven't even yet. gotten to Wi-Fi. <laughs> no, I haven't had problems with Wi-Fi, but we'll grant that some people have. Okay. So mail. Now, I know at least some of these problems were reported to Apple and regarded as duplicates during the beta test process for OS X Yosemite. After you keep mail open for a while, the number of messages displayed in a message folder, that number, like 4,715 messages, three unread. I'm looking at one folder right now. It disappears. Mm. It just disappears. Mm. Give you another one, which annoys me. They've got, of course, this mail drop feature. And mail drop merely means that when you send an attachment. Handoff. Big attachments? Yeah, attachments. You send an attachment in mail. And there's an option, by the way, to check this out, which is send large attachments with mail drop. I mean, you have to set that in your advanced preferences for your email account. This Mm -hmm. isn't generally mentioned. Now, what this means is you could really, in a sense, overcome the problem with sending large attachments. Right now, we use Hightail or something like that, or Dropbox or one of these third-party services to send big attachments. So what happens here is you can send an attachment up to five gigabytes in size that's stored in iCloud. And apparently, it doesn't impact your storage. I don't understand how this works at all. It doesn't impact your storage. It stays up there for a month. But whatever, you select this option, instead of being limited to 10 or 20 megabytes, for an attachment, you can send five gigabytes. Okay, that's that's the issue. And it mostly works. Except that sometimes if people are using, say, an Android smartphone, particularly, and they tap or they tap the link to get the file, because that's what it is. It's like an iCloud link. They tap the link and they get a message, your OS isn't supported. So how do you transfer this attachment if some people can't access the attachment? I hadn't seen that. I have seen it several times because on our other radio show, The Powercast, we're giving away a free ebook. It's called Secrets of the Mysterious Valley by Chris O'Brien, folks. And if they subscribe to our Powercast newsletter, that's it. We get the names and we send them the ebook. And what I normally do is send like a batch emailing to 100 people or 50 people, whatever number I have to send at that particular point in time. And I include this attachment to download the ebook, which is like 27 megabytes. Anyway, so this normally should work out very well, except we run into this problem. Of course, what happens then is if they can't get the file by tapping on the link, we give them an alternate, which is they can download it from our server. We give now, them a link for that. Now, what is the um, mail app on Android? Isn't it just simply a IMAP or a POP uh, client? Is, it, it or is. is it yeah, no, it's, a, it's the same kind of thing. Yeah, It's a standard email app. 
But what's happening here is when you tap a link that leads to a website, it's opening the browser. And the browser may be the problem, maybe the Chrome browser or the Google browser, and you don't always get Chrome on all Android phones. Don't ask me to explain that. It's an optional download. You get another browser. Whatever it is, maybe there is a problem with that browser in recognizing anything it says iCloud on it. Yeah, this is a question of testing. Well, that there, you know, I can't believe that Apple, in the course of testing, wouldn't try downloading attachments from MailDrop, Mac, Windows, Linux, Android, Windows Phone, BlackBerry, whatever, at least have a few people download the software or the attachment in all different platforms. Give it a test. Well, I think, well, I think the progress, I think the, the succession goes something like, you know, we're going to make sure this works for our Apple customers. And then somebody comes up in a QA tester and says, well, I tried this on my friend's Android phone and it didn't work. And it says, well, don't worry about it. That That's low priority for us. We'll get to it in the next revision or something like that. In about five years. And then when it's come times to build the, the slides for Craig Frederick's presentation, it's like, oh, yeah, this is wonderful, you know, for the ways we've tested it. So, you know, it's, it just sounds like there's a bit of pressure and people are rushed and QA people don't have enough authority. A, a QA person should be able to hold up a release by saying, I'm not going to sign off on that. It just doesn't work. And I don't think they have that authority. I think the product manager says, okay, fine. Thanks for bringing my, my attention. Another thing that I noticed when I was with Apple is, is that sales teams would report bugs via customers and it would go into the radar system and it would conflict with certain other agendas that were going on, things that had to be done that were either higher priority or, or was a functionality that that conflicted with fixing the bug and so the, it wouldn't get attended to. And so you had this feeling like, you know, we're beating our heads against the wall, reporting these problems, and they never get fixed. And that was the same thing that Glenn Fleischman said at the end of his article uh, when he talked about the 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 apparent issues of stability and perception. Okay. We'll find out what he concluded, Glenn Fleischman, in our next segment with John Martellaro. Please don't forget to pay a visit to plus.technightowl.com. That's plus.technightowl.com, where you can sign up with the Tech Night Owl Plus. Get a special version of the show. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. Good people need help. The Homeowners Association said we had weeds and fined us $25. We told them they had the wrong house. They said if we didn't pay it, they'd file a lien. Our attorney demanded photographs, witnesses, and told them if they couldn't provide this, they must cease and desist. Issue solved. Worry less and live more with LSProtection.com. That's LSProtection.com or call 855-340-SAVE. That's 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call one 800 
What good is a Big Berkey water filter? We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection. Protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey water filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. John Martellaro of the Mac Observers here, quoting an article from Glenn Fleischman. You know, he writes for tidbits in a lot of major places, and he knows his stuff when it comes to networking. So he yes. was coming to certain conclusions about OS 10 Yosemite. John? Well, he wrote in his article, Isles of Stability and the Perception of Apple Software Getting Worse. In the conclusion, he said, in the past, we expect stuff would eventually get fixed. Now it just feels like things are broken all the time and never improve. For example, you know, there, there are these known issues with Wi-Fi. And then Apple comes out with a release and says addresses Wi-Fi issues, and then turns out, oh, they're not all fixed. So it kind of gives you a nagging feeling like, you know, things are kind of coming apart, that you can't rely on these things getting fixed when when the new revisions come out, and things generally don't seem to be improving a whole lot. So this all kind of broke out all at once, and it all all got started, you know, from a missive by uh, Marco Arment. Uh, who talked about Apple kind of losing the high ground here on, on functionality. Of course, he was the one who broke, broke the ice, took the heat. Um, the Apple haters used his blog to uh, as, as weapons against Apple, um, and he kind of regretted that. Uh, but the good thing that came out of it was is that you know he did break the ice. And then people started really digging into this and, and, and sort of the, the OS ten emperor has no clothes anymore. And then over the weekend after I posted that, uh, the former magnificent Apple executive from the 80s, uh, Jean-Louis Gasset, who had been observing this, jumped in. And he had a whole bunch of new links that I hadn't seen himself from people who were talking about these issues. So it's all out and being exposed and being discussed. I'm hoping that uh, gets something gets uh, shaken up inside Apple. Now, I understand here, we want Apple to attain a higher degree of stability than anybody else. So, for example, last year, I read about the 10 worst Windows patches, stuff that cause boot loops and things like that. So, as bad as Apple gets with Wi-Fi and everything, and supposedly they're working on another release now, 10.10.2, that's going to further address Wi-Fi issues... The one thing to point out here is that Microsoft Windows is so much worse 
when it comes to patching bugs. The thing is here, of course, is that Apple has done screwy things in the past, but right now they're under the radar. They can't breathe too heavily before someone will think they've got a cold or maybe some kind of fatal disease. So the key is here is now Apple is under much, much greater pressure to do things and do things right the first time. So things that fall by the wayside, bugs that are overlooked, they're going to get really attacked on it. And that's good. It's going to help Apple pay attention. And I can't believe Apple's not paying attention to all the publicity about these issues. I got a glimmer of, of one element of this, and that is that you've got a whole bunch of iPhone and iPad customers using iOS, and things work a certain way. And if you look at the sales charts, you'll see that, you know, Apple's selling, what, 30 or 40 million iPhones a quarter. They're selling... It's going to be like 60 or 70 right. million this next one. 12, 12 and 20 million iPads. So you're... You're looking at, you know, 80 million iOS devices sold in a quarter. And how many uh, Macs does Apple sell in a quarter? About 5 million. So one can surmise there might be some pressure within Apple to make Mac OS X operate a, from a GUI and user interface standpoint in a similar fashion to some of the things they're seeing in iOS. And that means there's this agenda to twiddle with things in on Mac OS and OS 10 that are different. And so you get this meddling when, and I'm seeing it from the readers. They're saying, you know, I don't like, I loved snow leopard. It was stable. It did everything right. It was the apogee of a beautiful GUI on top of a BSD Unix. But as Apple has gone along and it's, it's sort of changed things and tweaked it and the Mac users are not liking it very much. Well, maybe Apple needs to, in 10.11, do a snow lip, come up with a reference release where they just clean things up, add maybe, you know, 20, 30 new features, not 4,000 or however many they're promising for Yosemite, but just clean up everything, go back through it, (laughs) do the snow leopard for the new generation of the operating system, because otherwise things are getting, are falling apart. And this is a time where, Yes, 5 million Macs are being sold, and maybe it'll be 6 million this past quarter. The point being, more Macs are being sold than ever. Apple's market share in the PC space is higher than ever, even compared to the 1990s. So therefore, it's incumbent upon them to attain the highest possible level of quality. And yes, we've pointed out Apple's had major screw-ups, but right now, the level of screw-ups, I don't know if it's any higher but they're not getting fixed. That's the problem. Well, my perception of the situation is, is that Yosemite is the worst offender of all of, all of them. And, and, and my, also, my, also my experience is, is that when Apple has got something really big going, like iPhone, resources are moved over to that area. And no matter what Craig Federici says and does when he's on stage at WWDC and talks about great features, um, he may not have the manpower and the resources that he needs. Uh, if at WWDC, Apple announces Mac OS X Death Valley, <laughs> as, as our Jim Tannis suggested, and they say, oh, we've got 2,500 new APIs in OS 10.11, I'm going to go, oh my God, 2,500 new APIs, bug city. <laughs> so, yeah, I like your idea of Snow Leopard. Let's calm down, take uh, a year and really refine this os call a death valley and say we're killing the bugs 
<laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, Craig Federighi has a fabulous sense of humor. I think he can pull it off. Let's move to another topic here. Okay. This is one we've had ongoing, which is, of course, you have a Mac Pro. You want to do 4K. You want to do 5K. Apple's Thunderbolt display is, what, four or five years old now? It's ancient. It's even got the older version of Thunderbolt. It's Thunderbolt 1 or just plain Thunderbolt, not Thunderbolt 2. So now you need a new display. What's the choice here? Yeah, well, let me start by saying that uh, Apple sells one display. It's called the uh, Apple Thunderbolt display, and um, it's been around for about four years. And it's, it's the nominal display you would buy if you had a new 2013 Mac Pro. The problem is the Mac Pro is black. This thing is silver aluminum. As you said, it's got the older Thunderbolt. It's got FireWire 800 ports instead of USB 3. Fire who? Yeah, it's uh, it's thick on the edges. It's not very sleek. Uh, it, it, the height is not adjustable. So if you put it next to another display, you're not going to be able to match heights. It's got a glossy display. A lot of people hate that and you don't have a choice. Uh, it uses an older version of the MagSafe connector. In case you want to attach a MacBook, you need an adapter to match it to your to your MacBook for uh, for power. So it, it looks like Apple's lost interest in providing a display. I mean, it, the time came and went for Apple to say, well, guess what? We've got a new 2013 Mac Pro, and here's a black beauty curved display, Thunderbolt 2 USB 3, awesome 27-inch uh, display. Uh, and, and it might have been too early for 4K back in the fall of 2013, but certainly a WQHD 2560 by 1440. But no, they didn't do that. And so I was faced with the same uh, situation. Um, uh, I The uh, display that was available to me from my Mac Pro was HD. 1920 by 1080, just not enough real estate. Uh, squeezed, overlapping windows. I, my workflow, because I was a happy iMac owner before, but I handed down that two, 2010 27-inch iMac to my wife, and uh, I really missed the WQHD uh, resolution. So I started a hunt last fall for a nice display. Okay. What he's going to talk about is Odyssey, a search. No, not the hunt or the hunt for Red October, or however you wish to phrase it, but a search. We're going to mention the search for a monitor for his beautiful dark gray Mac Pro. And we're going to find out more. John Martellaro of the Mac Observer is with me. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TechNightOwl for a special discount. Neighbor let Bitdefender worry about security. Just enjoy your Mac. Bitdefender antivirus for Mac. Complete protection 24-7. And take a selfie with your Mac, post it on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and tag it Hug a Mac for a chance to win a MacBook Air. 
To learn more, go to bitdefender.com backslash hugamac, bitdefender.com backslash hugamac. Have you ever felt like the United States government knows way too much about your financial affairs? I continue to hear stories about property seizures, frozen bank accounts, confiscation of stocks and bonds. It makes me wonder if the U.S. citizen will ever again have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unfortunately, with the Drug and Money Laundering Act, the IRS Revenue Ruling 6045 of 1984, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and Franklin D. Roosevelt's Executive Order of 1933, some precious metal holdings are subject to government intervention. For this reason, Midas Resources has prepared a report explaining the boundaries of trading precious metals privately. Whether if you have any intention of trading with Midas Resources or not, I have instructed my representatives to give this report out free. Call for your free copy at 1-800-686-2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237. The human body is extraordinary. Despite all the stresses we inflict upon it, it still works hard to stay in balance. Thousands upon thousands of people rely upon heart and body extract to help their body stay balanced. This excellent 100% natural herbal formula helps maintain healthy blood pressure levels, cleans arteries, promotes good circulation, balances cholesterol, and more. HB extract paired with healthy lifestyle choices like good nutrition and exercise can give you a life free of pain, sickness, and fear. Recapture your youthful vitality and experience your body healing itself with the aid of HB extract. It's extremely effective and it starts working in just days. Visit hbextract.com to learn more and to read scores of testimonials from satisfied customers. And we've never increased our price in over 10 years. That makes heart and body extract as great a value now as it was the first day we sold it. A healthy heart is a happy heart. Call 866-295-5305 or go to hbextract.com. What good is a Big Berkey water filter? We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection. Protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey water filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. So why isn't Apple producing a really snazzy display to match the Mac Pro? And I'm thinking now they have the iMac 5K, by the way, John Martellero. They could take the guts, the beautiful display that comes with the iMac 5K, stick it into a new case, 
you know, with the same basic ports and everything and sell it for fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars it'd be a miracle and it'd be a bargain. But they're not doing it yet. Yeah, they're not doing it. And there's no sign that they are going to do it. So I started thinking about, well, do I want a 4K display? And I did a lot of research and read articles and talked to Bob Levitis, who has a 5K iMac, brand new one. He wrote a review with the Mac Observer. And 5K is so huge. 4K is huge. There's so much stuff on the screen. And the, and the menus are really small. I just didn't want to have that many pixels in front of me. So, and I didn't want to spend a whole lot of money either. So I started looking for a 2560 by 1440 display that's LED. I like IPS. PLS would have done. There's some other display technologies like TN and VA that I that are decent, but I wasn't interested in for technical reasons. I wanted USB 3 ports. I wanted a non-glossy screen. Uh, I wanted something that would be uh, bright because uh, 300 uh, nits or or greater because I work in a, 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 light, a well-lit room and I like that. And I wanted something that would be able to color match and height match its old partner, the Apple 24-inch LED cinema that I have. And I wanted a high-quality stand, something that wouldn't uh, you know feel like it was cheap and plastic and was going to rock all the time. So I started looking at various displays and spent about a month and got down to some candidates and didn't like what I was seeing. And so Jeff Gamut, the managing editor at uh, Mac Observer said, John, you really ought to look at the Hewlett Packard displays. They're, they're really on their game. They're serious about their displays. They're building some great stuff. So I took a look at this uh, Z27i, which is uh, virtually the same display as you get in a 27 inch iMac, 2560. By 1440 and an IPS second generation, USB 3 ports. The only thing that's missing is a camera, and it's beautiful. I matched the height to my other display. It uses DisplayPort. I live in a multi-platform family. My wife is all over Windows and, and Linux as part of her teaching, and so I wanted to be able to hand this display down to her if necessary. It's another reason why I didn't want to have a Thunderbolt-only display. And it's called a Hewlett-Packard Z27i, and it's amazing. It's got a good stable stand. It's 12 inches at the base. It's got buttons on the front to control all the brightness and the contrast on resolution and color temperature. It doesn't have a glossy display, and it's really nice. And I paid uh, not a whole lot for it, a way lot less than $1,000, which that's another problem with the Apple Thunderbolt display. You don't feel like you're getting your money's worth anymore. It's not a $1,000 display by current standards. Well, if they sold it for four ninety nine and just got rid of them, it'd be a good idea. But there's no strategy there. And the thing mm. to mention about HP is they have this new lineup now of displays. Includes a five K for what twelve ninety nine, and they've got some beautiful curved displays. One's thirty four forty by fourteen forty. I'm after that one later in the year. Now I have a question though about their five K display. Having that work with something like a Mac Pro, that's a pretty complicated setup with multiple DisplayPort connections and such. Yeah. One of the items on Glenn Fleischman's list was problematic issues with the 4K displays at 60 hertz on the Mac Pro. I'm trying to get one of those 5K displays from Hewlett Packard for review, but we have to make sure that it's going to work with the Fire Pro and there won't be any problems so that's, and it doesn't, it isn't shipping yet. So along the way, uh, later in the spring, you'll be hearing from me on this. Hopefully if I can get one for review, 
and we'll kind of sort that out uh, and I'll have a chance to really put a 4K display on a Mac Pro through its paces, the 5K in this case. Well, certainly it seems that HP is doing some really nice things. At the same time, Dell is still selling a 5K display, which at their site is $24.99, same as the entry-level iMac 5K with the computer. Some people sell it for $21.99. Maybe Dell will bring it down to $19.99, but that's hardly competitive. Jeff Gamut, who's a display expert uh, and kind of guided me through this, said that Dell used to be on the top of its game with displays, and his opinion is that they're not anymore. I had a Dell 30-inch display like five, six years ago. I sold it, by the way, with a Mac Pro, my last Mac Pro. And it was a gorgeous display. It was well-built. It was a pretty decent design. It was designed also to work on a Mac with minimal configuration. I mean, they were smart about that. They realized they were getting customers from Apple, and they wanted to keep them. But now Dell, I don't know. Since they went private, I just wonder what they're doing over there. I hear some of their advertising for their PCs, but it makes no sense. One of the things I observed when I was doing this research was that in order to get the prices down and satisfy the customers to be in the right sweet spot, they they really focus on the display technology and they use a lot of plastic, plastic in the stand. You know, the one, the one good thing going about the Apple Thunderbolt display is it's awesome. It's aluminum. It's aluminum frame. It's aluminum stand and it's very stable. If you walk up to one on an Apple retail store and grab it, it's like granite. It is very stable, more stable than even my Z27i, which admittedly is plastic, but it's the best plastic I've seen. ABS, probably. Uh, The Apple Thunderbolt display is made of aluminum. It's got an aluminum frame and an aluminum stand, and it's awesome. If you walk up to one in an Apple retail store and grab it, it's like granite. It's very solid, more solid than even my Hewlett Packard Z27i which is pretty good. It's pretty good plastic. It's the best I've seen. But what happens is, is that you cannot evaluate the stand by looking at it in a review article. And the authors don't spend much time talking about the solidity of the display. They may talk about how it can rotate from portrait to landscape, but they don't really go into the ergonomics of grabbing it and shaking it and moving it around and feeling the stability. So it's not sexy. So they talk about the display technology and resolution. You get all excited about that. And and then I got excited about a, an Asus monitor. And then I went into Micro Center here in the Denver Tech Center. And I actually touched one. And the display stand was awful. I mean, it felt like it was going to fall over. It was the flimsiest, cheapest stand I'd ever seen on a monitor. And you, and you can't tell that at all from looking at it at Amazon's site. You could just read the specs. So I recommend if you're going to buy a display, um, find one at a Best Buy. Best Buy in our area doesn't really focus on high-end big displays, but if you can find something like a, a, a Fry's or a, a Micro Center, they have some in California, I think. Uh, you know, grab it, hold on to it, move it around, see what you think of the stability. Uh, in addition to the the quality of that IPS display. So your expectation here to sum things up before we get to our next topic is that Apple has more or less given up on displays and possibly will maybe even offer HP in the Apple store, which would be, I guess, a pretty decent decision. They don't have to bother. We've got more to cover. That's my opinion. I think I think they're going to give up on displays. Yeah. We have John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. 
free from the shackles of corporate America. We're the place for independent thinkers. GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Ouch! My back is out again. Hi, Dr. Ortman with Wellspring Spinal Care. If you're experiencing neck, mid, or lower back pain, this information is for you. One of the complaints that I hear is patients receive their typical adjustment, only having to repeat them as the pain returns. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the battle. At Wellspring Spinal Care, we have the entire solution. We use the NUCA approach, utilizing three-dimensional x-rays and gentle touch technology to deliver specific correction. We then design a custom nutritional supplement program which provides essential nutrients targeting the areas of concern. With a NUCA approach and proper nutrition, you'll be on your way to a faster and more permanent recovery. To get you on the road to wellness, visit DrOrtman.com. That's DrOrtman.com. Or call us today, 952-303-9124. That's 952-303-9124. Wellspring Spinal Care. Chiropractic done right. Hey, guess what? They've got some great deals for Valentine's Day at Guns80.com. They're calling it the Sweetheart Special. Guns80.com has lowered the price way down to 400 bucks up until Valentine's Day. Order your Ghost AR-15 now. Tell your sweetheart that this is the right gift at the right time. Buy one for yourself. Buy one for your sweetheart, too. Your sweetheart will thank you for being so tuned into his or her needs. Get a brand new Ghost AR-15 right now for 400 bucks. Heck, buy two. His and hers. Go to guns80.com or call and ask for the sweetheart deal. Love is in the air at guns80.com. Call now, 844-2-GUNS-80. That's 844-248-6780. It's a sweetheart of a deal. Actually, it's a steal at 400 bucks. So call guns80.com at 844-2-GUNS-80. But hurry, supplies are limited. Call 844-2-GUNS-80 or get your Ghost AR-15 today at guns80.com on the web. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document? Worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average over 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. 
For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE. 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. This is the Tech Night Out Live, now hosted on a Mac. A Mac Mini, believe it or else. We have that special service, plus.technightowl.com, P-L-U-S.technightowl.com. You go there, and for $5 a month, 50 bucks a year, you can subscribe to the premium version of the show. What this means is we ditch the commercials. We give you higher-resolution audio using all that spectacular equipment we have. So you'll get the ad-free version of the show where we take out 41 minutes of ads. Slim, trim, higher-resolution plus.technightowl.com. Simple sign-up process. If you're interested, we want you to join. We're talking here with John Martellaro about his next topic. We're done with the OS X software quality, and we're going to see how that works. We're going to see what Apple's going to do with regard to a new display suited for a Mac Pro, and maybe they'll just offer HP's display since they seem to have really something there with the chops to produce something good. Apple's next-generation TV project. Tell me, John, why is it on hold? What's going on here? I wrote an article uh, at the Mac Observer on December 12th uh, that was inspired by a chart from uh, Business Insider. They have lots of charts, and they collect data, and they present it really well. And it was media consumption by media channel. And they, they plotted it over the years, uh, from 2009 to 2014. And there was a steady drop in media consumption share on TVs and online and radio and print. And the only one that was exponentially increasing was mobile. And so whether the mobility issue is driving this or whether it's the character of the video you get on mobile it's it's rising dramatically. And so if you were going to put your money on a horse, you would look at mobile. But a lot of people just look at mobile as, as, as in a sterile kind of way, saying people are watching more video on the move. But the way I took it was that people like the environment that they get for their video on the iPads and the iPhones. And the way I characterized it is is uh, you know a political one-liner that kind of sums the whole thing up, is you don't need a DVR for your iPhone. Think about that. You know, when you watch TV on the big plasma, what do you have to do? You have to have a DVR. There's commercials thrown at you right and left, everything except Turner Classic Movies. You've got commercials you have to deal with. If you snap around the channels on dish or cable, probability that you'll bump into a commercial on a random show is very high. Um, and so you, you get into a mode where you say, okay, I can't deal with this. I'm going to record the show and then I'm going to watch it, you know, a day later and skip over the commercials. You may be even a dish customer where you have ad hopper and you can just, you know, program it to say, I'm going to 
I'm not going to record those commercials. Well, you know, with Hopper, there's a big controversy now. Oh, I know. Yeah, explain what this means, because this is where you have that fine print on the Hopper that doesn't make it quite as attractive. Well, I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure what you're saying, and we can talk that out. Apparently with the Hopper, it pre-records regular network shows on terrestrial stations, even if you want them or not. And you have, I, I think, you have to wait a few days, I don't know if it's three or seven, before you can watch the shows yeah, and skip the commercials. Certain exclusions, but yeah, and it, as it is, I have a dish, I, I'm sorry, I have direct TV and I have a DVR, and the way it works with me is, is that I'll watch a show the next day after it's been completely recorded, and then I'll use the 30-second forward button to skip over the commercials. With AdHopper, depending on the conditions and the agreements and what channel it is, you have the option to just say, go ahead and not even record those commercials, just skip over them. And that's got the content owners all upset. But the the point is, is that you do have to go through some of these issues with your, your DVR and all those hassles. And uh, occasionally you'll get into a uh, carrier disagreement on prices and then you'll, you'll lose CBS for example, or you'll, you know, and you'll, you know, miss some favorite TV shows. I think there was an issue with, uh, Time Warner and CBS last summer or fall. Pisses and by the way, off. Dish, Dish Network had an issue with Fox just resolved. Right. Well, that was because of uh, AdHopper. And so, uh, Fox said, well, you can, you know, if you're going to go ahead and do that, we're going to, we're going to fight back by refusing rights and or raising prices. And then, Dish says, okay, well, fine, we're not going to pay you. And then the customers get caught in the middle. So when you consider all that hassle compared to, you know, sitting back in an easy chair and firing up Amazon Prime or Netflix and just, you know, commercial free $9 a month, you just sit back and you just, you know, fire up your favorite Netflix show. No, none of this nonsense. Although Netflix from time to time will lose contractual agreements and, I know right after I got interested in Foil's War, Foil's War disappeared. Now it's back. But generally, the the viewing experience with your apps, uh, even Hulu, which has uh, commercials, modest commercials built in, uh, isn't as bad as the hoops you have to jump through. And so I started thinking, well, why would Apple want to attack a market with TV technology that's declining in popularity? has so many hassles, the two may be related to each other. And as we saw with the case of iOS and and OS X, when Apple gets on a bandwagon and sales are zooming, they'll put their effort in that area. And and so maybe um, they're thinking that, you know, why go to battle with the bad situation with the networks and all these agreements and carriers and the DVRs, all this mess. Maybe our future lies in providing a better experience through you know apple tv and through mobile so maybe and the gist of the article was maybe apple's just kind of you know sitting and waiting and when waiting for this ad driven delivery and on the networks this old model to to die off and self-destruct nobody really likes to watch ads. so it's fun to do it during the super bowl because they're inventive and they're funny and you're with a group you know you can all laugh about them but in general watching you know ncis or castle or or something like that it's it's dreary to have an hour show interrupted by what 20 
two minutes now. The show itself with the introduction and the closing credits is 43 minutes. 43 minutes, yeah. So, so of course, therefore, you're getting 17 minutes of ads. Yeah, yeah. So why fight that? Maybe there's something else to be done besides jumping into an area that's dying. So that was what I wrote about. Well, we have to see where Apple's solution takes us. You see, part of the problem I see with these set-top boxes, these streamers, like a Roku, even an Apple TV. Now, Roku, of course, has many more applications, but that can get complicated. So Apple has several dozen right now, and they keep adding some every few months. They add three or four of this or one of those. And the problem you see is suddenly... You bring up Apple TV with this minimalist remote. My remote for my Apple TV is broken, so I use my Harmony Universal remote instead for it. The problem you see is you've got basically a bunch of apps with somewhat different interfaces, and you want to watch something instead of just looking at one interface, which is what you get with your cable or satellite TV DVR. You now have multiple interfaces with multiple apps going through each one, because there's no integration, whatever, to find the content you want. Now, if you know you want to see House of Cards, you go to Netflix or Daredevil, the Marvel comic book character, is going to be premiering in another month or two. You go there. Then there's Hulu Plus, and then there's this, that, and the other thing. Worse, you have to log on with your cable or, or, or satellite credentials to access some of that content. That's right. And, of course, with Netflix, you have to set up an account. With Hulu Plus, you have to set up an account. So every one of these services, if there's some kind of premium attached to them, such as having a paywall, you've got to sign up separately, separate username, separate password. Of course, right. once you do it once, it's remembered. But you've got all that clutter. And is it better than your DVR with one interface to have 45? What I do is I try to keep things simple. Let's no, I, find I, out about simplicity in our next segment with John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Headlines, suspensions, FCC investigations. That's man cow for you. Hear him here. GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out a2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. 
General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right, General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right, that's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. You pick up the receiver with your heart racing and sweat dripping from your forehead. You finally muster the courage to dial the number to call into your favorite talk radio show. It rings once, twice, and then... Hello, it's GCN. What's your name and the state you're calling from? Surprised you got through, you squeak out. Jason from Minnesota. Please hold. As you patiently wait for your turn, you begin to daydream about being a famous talk radio host and what it would be like to have your own show. Jason from Minnesota, you're up. Millions of loyal listeners worldwide waiting to call and talk to you. Caller, are you there? Cheering crowds surround you, calling out your name. Going once, twice. Okay, we gotta move on to the next caller. You blew it. Huh? Wait, no! Interact with the hosts you're listening to right now online at GCNlive.com. Click on the community link. Engage with other listeners. Ask questions. Start debates. Don't agree with a host? Let them know. Be a part of the community at GCNlive.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Simplicity, my friend. Speak to me, John Martellaro, of simplicity. Well, you know, as a writer, I, I have to strike a balance between excessive complications, trying everything, accounts for everything, installing everything, and keeping my system stable and, and keeping my TV system easy and sensible. So I have to st- constantly think about whether I want to engage in something, what the payoff is going to be. From time to time, I've seen things in the past that looks like we're going to pan out, you know, get an app or a piece of hardware. You have to have an account to use it. That's that's always annoying. And then you find out that it didn't turn out to be as helpful and useful as you thought. So you have an account in the sky. You know? So you have to kind of watch out for how much of that you do. On the TV side, 
uh, I have kept things to just Netflix and uh, and uh, DirecTV. So it's usually one or one of the others of those. And we go to Netflix through the Apple TV. My feeling is, is that I mean, my wife's feeling too, is, is that if you have to go through a lot of trouble, it's a lot of hassle, it's probably not worth it. Uh, everything we need in terms of movies and uh, TV shows are on either direct TV or they're on Netflix. And if it's not there, we don't need it. All right. So you want to simplify your experience. You want to make your life easier. But what was Tim Cook talking about when he speaks about the fact that when he goes into his living room to watch TV, he's like going back through time. It's not a very fun interface. And Steve Jobs had the magical interface for TVs that some thought Mm. would be an Apple connected TV. So where's all this heading? Uh, And you see the problems that are obvious, not just the clutter on your set-top box, but having four or five different devices that have to be integrated just to work together. uh, There's several issues here. People have shown a remarkable resistance to having lots of set-top boxes. And there's only so many HDMI inputs on your TV. And when you do a direct connect, you get sound coming out of the TV. So that's one issue. And another issue is is that I I think Tim Cook was... being more philosophical rather than trying to be indirect about a specific product design. I think the market is, has changed over the years. That was part of the article I wrote too. You know, there's, it's a changing target. Um, the, the contractual agreements and the technology of the marketplace uh, is such that uh, CEOs are trying to make sure they don't leave any open doors for Apple to walk through Customer mentality changes. Amazon Prime is catching on quite a bit. I've read viewing habits change. Uh, People like to cut the cord. There's binge viewing, which I don't do. I can't really stomach watching four or five episodes of the same show in a row. Uh, But some people will do, you know, five or 10 and catch up on an entire season right in a row. So uh, it's a real art form to figure out where customers are at with their money and with their habits and also what the weaknesses in the market are and what what's changing in terms of people's preferences, especially mobile, like we talked about in the last session. And so what I'm thinking is, is that the Apple people continue to work with technologies, do testing, throw things together, do concepts, say, oh, isn't this cool? And then start thinking about what would it take to bring this to market and look at the competitive side of it and can they make money and would they be blocked by their competitors? And, you know, the whole thing is kind of like continually changing. And I think that's why we, to to Gene Munster's everlasting dismay, we haven't seen uh, next generation Apple TV technology uh, rush to market. What do you expect to see if it ever happens? What I expect to see is that the Apple focus on something that is sort of carrier and market independent. And the examples I've written about in the past are the things that you can do on the the downstream side of the HDCP. You know, when you connect your HDMI cable from your DVR or your receiver into the TV, there's some encryption, encryption and handshaking going on there to make sure you can't copy the content. But once you're inside the TV, most TVs are dumb. They just simply take that decrypted signal and throw it up to the just the pixels of the display. 
Now, one nice thing that Apple could do is, is that they could install their own special brand of content and creativity on the downstream side of that decryption. And you could do things like, you know, move a cursor onto somebody's face, use good old fashioned uh, photo facial recognition, click a button. It, it does a matching. It looks it up in IMDB. And on the side of the display where there's a little bit of extra room, it says, oh, yeah, this is Gwyneth Paltrow. You forgot uh, her name. So, you know, a lot of people would like to forget yeah. her name. <laughs> Or whoever your favorite movie actress is. Yeah, she's done a great job in Iron Man. So, Yeah, in Iron Man, I think she does very good. But yeah. I guess she is the actress you love to hate, or some people do. Um, I don't know why she seems to be a perfect There's too much person. hate floating around. People should just enjoy other people and enjoy their work. Let's, let's not talk about hate. It's just people being grumpy. So pick your favorite actress and somebody has some, some sort of hostility. I don't even want to talk about that. I just, just throw an example name out there. Another thing you could do with the downstream side of the signal is, is you know, those annoying pop-ups where you can't seem to ever watch one TV show without them telling you what's on next. And sometimes there's a little animated guy walking around the bottom saying, you know, stay tuned because even though we've got you watching this show, we want you to stay tuned for the next show that comes afterwards. And so there's logos and there's graphics and stuff. And it is really annoying to watch a movie that way. So you've got a setup where you've skipped over commercials. Now what you want to do is expunge those stupid graphics. And there's probably Photoshop-like filtering techniques where you could optionally, you know, delete anything that kind of pops up and destroys your pixels from the original source. And, you know, there's lots of stuff that you could do like that. And that doesn't depend on carrier agreements or inserting your device between the TV and the DVR like Google tried to do unsuccessfully with Google TV. And it doesn't depend on uh, how you get the content going into the TV. And of course, Apple has, you know, great TV technology, display technology with its 5K displays. So, you know, you can you can put a 4K picture on a 5K display and have room around the edges for other stuff that you may want, you know, like home monitoring alerts and things like that. You know, you're watching Castle late night on Monday. It's 9.55. You're getting ready to go to bed and it says, hey, you know, your garage door is still open. Something like that. There's things you could do like that. But, you know, it's a long way from that kind of conceptualization to, you know, building a compelling product that people want to buy, that get people away from their two-year-old LED display that they just bought. And they're kind of grumpy about, you know, having to buy another TV set. So there's, there's some market issues there, too. It's really very complicated and very difficult. And I'm not surprised that Apple hasn't uh, done anything specific yet. Just the recognition that you have multiple things on your set. You have the set-top box. You have your cable DVR set-top box. You have your Blu-ray player, the gaming console. You have all this stuff, and then you have the stereo system, or maybe the sound bar or sound base. And just integrating those, even with a universal remote, is hit or miss. And if Apple could go through that, with their home automation systems and their mm-hmm. home kit to figure a way to make that function reliably. And of course, Apple will have to recognize you may have an Xbox in addition to an Apple TV. That's going to have to be part of it. It's going to have to be agnostic in terms of your accessories. But just trying to integrate right. that, just turning it on is a job because, for example, we have the Harmony remote control here. And we've got the Apple TV and the TV set and the sound base and, of course, the TV set. And if you don't point the remote exactly the right way, they all don't go on. You have to do troubleshooting. John, tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. 
I am Senior Editor for Reviews and Analysis at the Mac Observer, www.macobserver.com. You can find us on Twitter. We're known as Tech Night Owl. We're Tech Night Owl on Twitter. Take advantage of our new premium service called Tech Night Owl Plus at plus.technightowl.com. That's P-L-U-S dot And you can subscribe for $5 a month, 50 bucks a year to the premium version of the Tech Night Owl Live with more features to be announced. Premium means ad-free, higher resolution copy. And check out our other radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. Featuring this weekend on the Paracast, David Marler, author of Triangular UFOs. That's what I say. Shape in a triangle, an estimate of the situation. On the Paracast at Paracast.com. Once again, that's Paracast.com. And that's going to be a fascinating show, really. Triangular. Cool. How about a triangular Apple TV from Apple or a triangular <laughs> computer? John Martellaro, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. It was a pleasure. See you next time. The Tech Night Out Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.